Thunder Media. This week on the show, we catch up with Lachlan Mansell to talk Formula One. I hope you stay with us on Inside Motorsport. Well, Lachlan Mansell, it's great to catch up with you again as they're in the summer break of the Formula One season. I thought it's the perfect time to look at the year so far, and it has been a fascinating year. Mercedes, not quite where they have been for the last 10 years and Ferrari returning to about 20 years ago when everything they touch turns to muck. Hi Craig, how are you going? Uh, what can I say? Lots to unpack from the first 13 rounds of the season. Like you say, we're in the sun break at the moment, so 13 Grand Prix down and nine left to go. And at the start of the season, it looks like Ferrari were finally going to get the job done and potentially win their first world championship since way back in 2007 when Kimi Raikkonen was victorious. We saw that Charles Leclerc won two out of the first three races and had a good points advantage in the championship. But since then, Ferrari, you would have to say, have self-destructed and it's the reigning champion, Max Verstappen, who has a comprehensive 80-point lead heading into the last nine rounds of the season. It's fascinating to see how the Red Bull team have been able to make the most of every opportunity, particularly when they might not have had the best car on a race weekend. You're 100% right. So there's been rounds where quite clearly they have had the best car, in which case Verstappen has generally won those races. And then there's been other rounds where Ferrari have had a performance advantage, but whether it be mechanical problems, driver errors, or like we saw in the most recent round at Hungary, some baffling strategic decisions. It's been Red Bull that have been able to capitalise. And Charles Leclerc has suffered quite badly from not only the Hungary decision, but there's been three or four decisions throughout the year where the Ferrari team have got their strategy significantly wrong. Indeed, and not only that, but he's had some retirements at bad times as well, particularly the French Grand Prix where he was on target to win that race when he crashed out all on his own. But then I think the other thing as well is that Ferrari have been content to let their two drivers, Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz Jr., fight one another for race positions. And sometimes when that's happened, they've ended up costing each other time and that has allowed the Red Bulls to prevail. So... We saw in in the Hungarian Grand Prix that they made what can only be described as a a rather weird decision to put hard tyres on Charles Leclerc's car for the last stint. That was a... A lot of people were shocked by that decision, particularly when we'd seen other teams use the hard tyres in the race and and prove that they were not the best tyre to be on. Uh, And then, like I said, there's been a couple of mechanical issues that have struck Charles Leclerc at very inopportune times as well. So it was we, we had high hopes of it being a really competitive championship at the start of the year, but you would have to say right now, unless there's the combination of an upswing in form from Ferrari and some serious issues for Verstappen and Red Bull, then it looks like Verstappen's going to be on his way to back-to-back titles. Sergio Perez in the second of the Red Bull car is also benefited from a very 
solid performance. And then it's George Russell, now the front-running Mercedes car with Lewis Hamilton behind Carlos Sainz in sixth position. Let's talk about Sergio Perez first, because last year, first year for Perez at Red Bull, we saw that he was pretty much thumped by Verstappen when you compare the head-to-head qualifying performances and race results. But this year, Perez has been a lot more closely matched with Verstappen, and it seems that these new Formula One cars with the new technical regulations are a lot better suited to Perez driving style than the previous cars. So he's been able to win a race. He took victory at the Monaco Grand Prix. We've seen that he's been on the podium on five other occasions as well. So uh, he's comfortably in the top three in the championship and and certainly adding a, a big bundle of points to Red Bull's Constructors' Championship campaign. And then Mercedes, you would have to say that they've turned out their least competitive car in the last decade. And certainly at at the start of the season, it was George Russell who had the upper hand on Lewis Hamilton. In fact, there were seven races in a row where Russell finished ahead of Hamilton and and opened up quite a sizable lead over his seven-time world champion teammate. But In the last five races, it's been Hamilton who's been able to finish ahead of Russell and the margin between the two Mercedes drivers is now just 12 points. The Mercedes, uh, they've had some issues that was quite well documented with the porpoising, the car being very unstable under brakes uh, early in the season. They gradually seem to be getting on top of it and uh, Lewis Hamilton's been on the podium the last five rounds in a row and I reckon that we will see... Lewis, back to his fighting vest, and I, I would be tipping that he would win a race at some stage in the final nine rounds of the season. I've been interested to see two performers in particular, Esteban Orcon in eighth position and in ninth position, uh, Botas, one in the Renault, the other in the Alfa Romeo Ferrari. They both are putting in reasonably solid years. They have. I'll start with Valtteri Bottas. So leaving Mercedes uh, to, to move to the Alfa Romeo team at the start of the season. And I think a lot of people would have expected that this would have been quite a, an uncompetitive season for Bottas. Alfa Romeo has generally been a car that's been in the bottom half of the field in recent seasons, but he's been able to get the, the best out of it. And he's finished in the points on a number of occasions. As you mentioned, ninth in the championship. However, I'm not sure that the development of the Alfa Romeo was quite keeping pace with some of the other teams. And if you look at Bottas's results in recent rounds, it has been on a bit of a downward trajectory. And in fact, he hasn't scored points in the last four rounds. Uh, been a pretty good season with Esteban Ocon. In fact, both the Alpine drivers have been consistently there or thereabouts. Ocon, he's ahead in the championship, but Fernando Alonso has shown some flashes of brilliance and uh, he might be on the wrong side of 40 years old now, but certainly showing that he's lost none of his talents. So I reckon watch out for Alonso to maybe spring some surprises in the second half of the season as well. I'm interested in your thoughts on the whole Daniel Ricciardo, um, well, the whole yeah. situation there. <laughs> it's uh, it's a, a apparent that he's not going to be with McLaren next year. It's a possibility, I guess, he could end up at Alpine, but... There's so much going on. Can you unpack it for us? 
Yeah, there's, again, there's a lot to unpack. I, I think if we go back to last season when Ricardo first joined McLaren and he was outperformed by Lando Norris all year last year, and a lot of people said, you know, he, he's fresh at the team, the car has been designed with Lando Norris's driving style in mind, it's okay, Ricardo will be back to his best in 2022. Uh, that hasn't happened. When you look at the key performance metrics, Ricardo versus Norris, uh, quite frankly, Norris has thrashed Ricardo in every single one of those metrics. Qualifying results, we've seen that Norris has out-qualified Ricardo in 11 out of the 13 races. He's finished ahead of Ricardo in uh, eight races where both cars have finished. And uh, when you look at the championship points, Lando Norris is sitting 7th in the championship with 76 points and Daniel Ricciardo sitting 19th in the championship on, uh, sorry, 12th in the championship on 19 points, having only finished in the top 10 in four out of the 13 races. So it's been a pretty dismal season for Ricciardo. And with that in mind, it's not that surprising that McLaren are looking at replacing him a year before his contract expires. The reports earlier in the year was that McLaren were looking to perhaps slot in one of the drivers from their IndyCar program. So there's a few drivers there, including Pato Award, Colson Herter, and quite controversially, Alex Palau, who's in a contract dispute of his own over in IndyCar world. But then, just to complicate things even further, throw Oscar Piastri into the mix. So we, we had this domino effect which started off with Sebastian Vettel announcing his retirement at the end of the season. That opened up a seat at Aston Martin, which Fernando Alonso was going to fill. That freed up a seat at Alpine. Uh, you know, the, the, the logical solution there was that Oscar Piastri, who was part of Alpine's junior development program, was slot in there as a direct replacement for Fernando Alonso. But then we see that, no, Oscar Piastri says that he's not going to be driving for Alpine next season. And it looks like we're going to be seeing another contract dispute because the Formula One Contract Review Board has ruled that both um, Piastri's contracts with McLaren and Alpine are both valid. So uh, it's going to be a... A bit of an ugly legal dispute to find out where Piastri will end up next season, I would say. But uh, in terms of Daniel Ricciardo, I think you're right. I think that moving back to, effectively back to Alpine, formerly the Renault team, looks to be where uh, Ricciardo will probably end up slotting in next season if he wants to remain in a competitive team in Formula One. And certainly you mentioned earlier Fernando's and Esteban Orcon's performances have been in that uh, better half of the field, if you like. So whilst it might be uh, considered a backward step, the opportunity is still there to, poo, to perform at that higher end. Indeed it is. So there's going to be a lot to play out off the track, which is going to be fascinating to see how it all unfolds. But I have to say that for Oscar Piastri, it's not really the ideal way for such a talented driver and a driver who had such exceptional results in the junior development categories today kicking off his F1 career. It is going to make it an interesting one, particularly when we get to Melbourne. Piastri is from Melbourne. Daniel coming from Australia, but definitely the other side of the world when you consider the country and how it's divided. It 
is going to play out quite interestingly when we uh, see 2023 roll on. But as you said earlier, nine races still to run in the championship, and it's very likely that we are going to see some interesting challenges trying to uh, make their make their final desperate run in the in the charge home. Yeah, just a few other notes on some of the other drivers that we haven't discussed yet. So Sebastian Vettel, as mentioned, he's announced his retirement at the end of the season. You would have to say that the Aston Martin has not been particularly competitive this year, but we still saw that Vettel was able to finish sixth in the Azerbaijan Grand Prix. Also, uh, really, really honourable mention to Kevin Magnussen at the Haas team because that team has taken a big step forward in competitiveness compared to where they've been the last couple of years. And remember, Kevin Magnussen, he wasn't even in Formula One last season, but he's come back in as if he'd never left. He was in the top five in the opening round of the season in Bahrain. He's finished five races in the top 10. He's just outside the top 10 in the championship. And his teammate, Mick Schumacher, his year got off to a bit of a rocky start, but it is improving. And he chalked up top 10 finishes in the British and the Austrian Bronze Prix. So good to see that Mick Schumacher is, is starting to find his feet in Formula One as well. Lachlan, it's always a pleasure to catch up with you here on Inside Motorsport. And uh, we sit back and uh, look forward to what should be a great conclusion to 2022. Awesome, Craig. Thanks for having me bring on the next round at Spa in Belgium, an iconic circuit and one that always produces classic Formula One races. Indeed it does. That's all we've got time for this week on Inside Motorsport. Until next time around, keep smiling and bye for now. Inside Motorsport is produced by Thunder Media for the Community Radio Network.